Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Stephen Trinkwald. You will hear from my co-host Eric Nemchak momentarily. This will be part two of our annual 25 players, 25 and under. We released part one this week, got through about the first nine or so players that we will be discussing. Got the rest of the list coming up here. Enjoy the show. So my first player in tier three, number nine overall, is Ari McDonald. Um, this is okay. It's, now, it, here we go. So um, this is, and I actually had her above Carter at number eight initially. Initially, but I was like, eh, do I really want to do that? Um, it's interesting to have them uh, next to each other on this list because McDonald, on the other hand, improved a lot as a second-year player. And granted, most of those areas, in most of those areas of improvement, were areas of the game I expected her to get better at. You know, um, forty-one point two percent of her half-court attempts came at the rim, and she finished fifty-eight point one percent of them. Okay, twenty-five point two percent of her plays came in transition, which was her most frequent play type. That's good. That's good. And her defense was still good. You know, she three point zero steal rate, which is fourth in the WNBA. Well, really, she had three steal rate. That's according to basketball reference, uh, of course. So this is a good point. Um, for those listening, uh, WNBA.com and basketball reference calculate possessions differently. So whenever you have rate statistics or percentage statistics like that, they will be different in those two websites. I think I, I'd rather use basketball reference because the way WNBA.com does it for steal rate is like possessions of the team's steals that were recorded when they were on the floor or something that I, I just don't really care about. Whereas basketball reference, it's percentages of plays in general that ended in a steal so mcdonald fourth in the wnba in steal rate which is really good but most importantly you know i I, she proved that she could handle a larger role there was that time in the season when the dream were just devastated by injuries um and mcdonald was kind of pressed into that starting role playing like huge minutes huge minutes during that stretch she averaged uh no i'm sorry she didn't average she um recorded a 60 percent true shooting percentage so really good. Assist turnover ratio, even two in six starts, averaging 35 minutes a game. Obviously, if you're starting, you're going to be playing aside better talent than if you're coming off the bench. But when the stakes are higher, when the usage was higher, when the minutes were higher, she upped her game. And this is something I recall us discussing before was, can Ari McDonald be a regular, reliable starting point guard in the in the WNBA for years to come? I think that was a pretty good audition, you know? For, for a team that was really struggling with their depth, they needed that kind of pick-me-up. Um, this may be kind of subjective analysis here, but I was really impressed with McDonald in that in that role during that stretch. I'm pretty confident now in my answer to that question being yes. And I am still very confident that she's going to make all defense at least once in her career. I mean, she really gets after it defensively. She's one of those guards that, you know, she gives 110% on both ends of the ball. Again, pretty subjective analysis. But when you've got a player who's constantly getting after it on defense, and on offense, like, you know, she's a very physical offensive player as well. That's pretty good to have. I think the difference between her and Carter is that her offensive ceiling is just nowhere as high, nowhere near as high. Again, how much is she driving good offense as a primary ball handler? Probably not as much as what we would expect Kennedy Carter. But again, we haven't really seen that. So I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable putting area at number nine. But you didn't like that. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not that far from you, I should say. Uh, so I'm, oh, okay. I'm on my... 10th player now and I have her um 13. Okay, not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, basically everything that you you said I, I agree with. I think that she was the Dream's best point guard last year. I think they had their best lineups when Ari McDonald was out there. Um I think, you know, if you're just kind of looking at these players in a vacuum, Ari, I think, you know, she benefits from her circumstances, I think, a, a little bit because she I don't think is really a lead initiator for a point guard. And she plays with one of the very few wings who kind of took on lead initiator duty uh, in Ryan Howard. And obviously in the few games that Tip Hayes was was there as well, you know, she was kind of third in the pecking order for perimeter players. And that's not all that usual for, for point guards. So I have her, I kind of paired her a little bit. Like I have her 13. I have Veronica Burton 12. Veronica Burton it should be noted is basically a full two years younger than Ari McDonald. You know, those, that duo to me is kind of solidly ahead of like the Dana Evans, Ty Harris duo that I have like much lower on this list. Like Ari McDonald, I think, you know, if you're just asking the question, like, is this a a playoff player? Like, can this player hang in the last two rounds? I, I think the answer is definitely yes. I think you had mentioned this, but she was in the 97th percentile in terms of transition frequency, not 
elite when she got out there, but 110 total transition possessions is amazing. You know, she was all right scoring out of the the pick and roll, but her real offensive skill, you know, besides from getting out in transition, she's a spot up player, right? She was over a point per possession on spot ups, a point per possession on no dribble jumpers, and really, really good attacking closeouts. That's, you know, not the number one skill of a player who's like creating for herself and others, right? She's She's just not that type of point guard. So, I mean, there are just, you know, again, we're just a couple players off here. There are players whose skill sets I think I just kind of value a little bit more than McDonald. Burton, as someone who has, I think, a little bit higher of a floor game, you know, maybe a little bit of a better passer, better defensive player, probably. Again, probably just more of like a floor game in terms of being your initiator if it's not kind of through driving her own offense, really. I think, you know, McDonald... Really just, like I said before, benefits from playing with Ryan Howard. Like, I think those two are kind of a, a perfect pairing in terms of, you know, you in terms of Eric McDonald, I should say. Maybe not for Ryan Howard. You, you could probably ask for a better point guard. But for what Eric McDonald does well and what she doesn't do well, having a lead initiator on the wing is, I think, immensely valuable. And the reason she's, I think, a little bit lower for me, again, 13, you know, on the higher end of this list here, but is because that you're not going to find that on every team. It's a little harder. And I don't think she's necessarily like a two-position defender, really, where you could have her play with like a, another pure point guard who can do that thing, those things a little bit better than her, right? You know, it's interesting you say she's in a, a beneficial situation because I would have argued that, well, at least rookie season, she was in a terrible situation. But this year may be a little more friendly to her. So I see where you're coming from. So I guess I should go on to the number 10 player on my list. So now we're in in tier four. Eric McDonald was part of that. I have six players in this tier, and I'll start with my number 10 player, Emily Engsler, who was uh, bad her rookie season in a lot of ways. I also had Engsler at number 10, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. So we are- Yeah, we're 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 back on track. Wow. So she she shot very poorly, basically from all over the place, you know, below 50% in the restricted area below 40% in the paint overall. But, you know, I, I don't think the reasons I was so high on Angsler coming out of the draft, I, I kind of imagine she could be sort of, you know, a, a star role player, right? Not an all W type player, but if she's like your fourth or fifth best player, she can do some really interesting things and, and kind of make everybody around her better. And I think we, we saw every kind of little bit of the floor game that we liked at Louisville in her first year in Indiana. Good cutting, good passing, good defensive playmaking, probably even better rebounding than we could have imagined. Like her out of area rebounding was extremely impressive for a player of her size. She was relentless. Yeah. I think if she just becomes a pretty good version of the player that she can become, and we've covered Eric in the the three short years of doing this podcast. Very short years, yeah. A lot of uh, rookie players of of basically all positions who just didn't finish at the rim as well as they did in college or as well as their shot profile might suggest they would and a lot of those players who had good priors you know they they turned it around and I kind of see that with Engsler a little bit like you know rushing some of those layups worrying about getting her shot blocked like it's not really that hard to imagine just this same player doing all the things that she did well and also just like you know finishing at the rim and not blowing very, very makeable layups and and stuff like that. And I think, you know, this is also a player that brings with her some positional versatility, maybe, depending on how the offensive game comes around. But, you know, a player who can play the three a little bit, but also if you wanted to just say, Emily Engsler, you're not playing small forward at all. You're going to be our third big, play the power forward, you know, next to your traditional center when Melissa Smith goes to the bench if that's Aaliyah Boston, hopefully, or go for a more spaced outlook with when Aaliyah Boston goes to the bench and it's Nalissa and Emily Engsler at the four or five. We saw that a little bit in the early part of the season. I think we, we tended to see that a little bit more when Marianne Stanley was still around, but, you know, saw it some as, as the season progressed. You know, that was never going to produce winning basketball in year one, but I thought it, it had some some pretty fun things that happen there. And I think as those players develop, it it has some sound theory to it. So it's not kind of like 
the backup units where you're just like running out two centers and they you have no choice of scoring and you're putting up an mm-hmm. 85 offensive yeah. rating when you have two centers out there. So if the shooting doesn't come around, maybe she just has to be a straight four. But, you know, I think there's there's definitely a path there where she can she can do a little bit of both and, you know, maybe, you know, be a, a nice little kind of Swiss Army knife for you there. Emily Engsler is one of the most interesting players, I think, in the league in terms of archetype. First of all, I, I don't even know what position she is. Like, what position even is she? Uh, she's got, first of all, everything she does to me is just turned up to 11. You know, she is a chaos agent. Um, she's one of the best defensive playmakers in the league already. Like, if she was to lead the league in stocks, like, six or seven times throughout her career, I wouldn't be surprised. However, she's also got tremendous weaknesses. Mainly, as you mentioned, she can't finish. Her jump shot is very, very hot and cold. Like she can make threes, but she will also miss a lot of threes, like off the backboard, like not even close. She's a poor free throw shooter. Another one where you can have a lot of bad misses. Yes. A lot of bad misses. She's a poor free throw shooter and always has been, which makes me considerably less confident that that three ball is ever going to come around. You know, she's got the juice off the dribble, but you know, if she can't finish well, that's, that's kind of goes kaput there. Man, but I, I feel like she's just amending just one of those weaknesses away from becoming a good WNBA player. Like, okay, I could take some bad three-point misses if she can just finish those layups. Or Especially I could with take how some, good of a cutter she is. Yeah, exactly. Or I can take some of those uh, missed layups if she can just stay on the floor better, you know, like stop falling as much. She's just, it's not like she's a defensive specialist. Like, she has several legit offensive skills. But it's just a matter of put. But they're all just like so far apart from one another. Like, can she put at least some of this stuff together and become a reliable uh, starting level player? Because I think she's she can be a very valuable player in the league. I mean, they drafted her at four. I think that was a good spot. But just such so a we, just such a weird archetype, you know? Like, the talent is obviously there, but you could see her flaming out just as easily as you could see her, you know, like making all defense, right? Yeah, and I think it it should be noted, like, it still remains to be seen, like, is she going to actually be a good individual defensive player in the WNBA? That's that's another go on, yeah. Or just, like, a really great defensive playmaker? Because those two things are not the same, you know? Just because you are racking up stocks does not mean you are necessarily adding value. She's racking up stocks, but she's also racking up fouls because she can't defend post-ups without fouls. Yeah, so it's, yeah, really weird player, really interesting player. Um, I think 10 is fair, though, you know, considering... We don't know how this is all going to pan out. Okay. Who did you have uh, number 11? I had uh, a queer at 11. Oh, okay. All right. I, um, I had Queen Egbo already. here. I don't really want to talk about Queen Egbo too much because we like did. We talked about her a know, lot. Yeah. 30 minutes of a, an episode. But I guess just, you know, the one thing I will add to that conversation and the context around her is unlike Emily Engsler, perhaps, I don't think she fits particularly well as a third big on a team if they do end up having the opportunity to draft Aaliyah Boston. Like ideally when you are building a rotation, let's look at perhaps your Chicago sky, Eric, you want your three, your, your two starting bigs and your first big off the bench to all be able to play together. Right. So I don't really think that queen Egbo and Aaliyah Boston make any sense together. Again, that's one of the things that I was just talking about. You know, you're running out those two center lineups with backup units, you know, Kia Vaughn and Beatrice Montpremier or Beatrice Montpremier and Cheyenne Parker, you know, lineups like that, like Mercedes Russell and Ezzie Magbiger, you know, I just, I don't really think that those lineups are kind of really how you really want to build your, you know, a top, top end rotation. Um, I would just rather play an Alyssa Smith at center. Yeah, exactly. With, with Emily Exler. So, you know, I don't think that really hurts my evaluation of Queen Egbo in a vacuum, but I could see her kind of stock going down a little bit because, you know, her her minutes are probably going to be cut, obviously, unless they find a, a, a new team that has interest in her, which I think some teams would, you know, this they is might. not uh, the, the fake trades podcast, but if I was Minnesota, I'd, I'd call and see if Indy has any interest in number the number 12 pick, but they have a like, is, is her value ever going to be higher than it is right now? It might not be it after her be. rookie season. You know, Certainly it's, it's not for thing. Indiana. Like it, it might be for other teams where she has a chance to, to play a lot more than right. she will than behind Aaliyah Boston. But yeah, so that's who I had 11. who did you have number 12? I had Hanju at number 12. Um, maybe my second biggest, biggest riser after Jackie Young. I had no idea she was going to force her way into the conversation. Well, I don't even quickly. think she was like in consideration for us last year. Cause she, well, had, like, 
you know, surprisingly, players are usually better at 22 years than they're at 19. And Hanzu showed improvement in just about every area. You know, I, when she was in her first in the WNBA, I didn't think she was WNBA caliber at all. And even early this uh, this past season too, I was like, why is she on this Liberty roster? Well, first things first, she's six foot nine, so that helps. But for a player of that size, her touch in general is is pretty remarkable. You know, uh, I think there's a lot of conversation about her being uh, this term that I hate, stretch five. Her career three point attempt rate is 0.165, so not a stretch five, but thirty six threes last year. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a lot. No, teams don't care about that. But she does have pretty good touch on her mid-range shot. She's got pretty good touch in the paint, kind of like a feathery, soft touch. Um, and she's not really a stationary shooter either. Like, I do recall a few plays where the Liberty actually ran, like, sideline out-of-bounds plays for her coming off a screen to take a mid-range shot. You know, that's not... And, and that's and, not to say, you know, like... They, okay. They've ran a couple of those for behind the arc, too. You know, she'll, she'll shoot a three off the move, so... Yeah, so it's... That's a legit thing. You know, like, it's not like she's just standing out there waiting to get the ball off the kick or whatever. Like she actually has legit skill with the basketball off, you know, shooting from wherever. Um, so that's pretty impressive for her. Rebounding and shot blocking both need to improve. I think considering she's again, massive, she's six foot nine. Those need to get better. Two point scoring. I think also needs to get better. You know, it, it did improve significantly from her age 19 season, but 50.3% from two point range for a player of that size, not high enough in my opinion. Um, However, the true shooting is okay. You know, it's 56.3%. Again, pretty good and a significant improvement. So, like, once again, I think the on-off differential is once again negligible for her. But I think there are plenty of moments that you could look at last season where you could say, like, she's the most effective center on this team. Unless you consider Natasha Howard a center. But, like, you know, Stephanie Dolson was signed on to this big contract for the Liberty, expected to play heavy minutes. But Hanju kind of just, like, forced her way into the conversation. Like, no, I'm the better player. I'm the better center. you got to start me. They did not start her. I was very surprised to see uh, that she did not start a single game last season. But again, I think there were moments where she was the better player than Stephanie Dolson in just her second year in the league. And I think there is still a lot of room to improve for Hanju. Yeah, and I think it would be very easy for a player of her size to be more of a stationary presence on the basketball court, whether that's you know, just kind of standing in the dunker spot or camping behind the line. But she's always moving, screening, cutting, you know, rolling, kind of popping out to behind the the line. She plays with high activity. And, you know, there are a lot of centers who can shoot threes, maybe have a little bit of a slow release. But, you know, she's she's pretty quick and and she's pretty fluid in the limited attempts that she did get. It, It kind of feels like we live in a parallel universe, Eric, that she comes off the bench for the Chinese national team behind Lee Yuru, who I basically never considered her making this top 25 and did not look like a WNBA player. Like it's pretty, pretty wild that she's, you know, not the starting center for that team. Um, And, you know, Han is never going to be the most versatile defensive player, but if she can just get to the point of like being good at the things like a 6'10 player should be okay at, you know, I I think that will be a good enough with how good she is offensively. But right now, She's not a good defensive player. It's kind of amazing how little impact she has defending at the rim. Players seem to just kind of go through her, finish over her, finish around her. She's got to get more physical on both ends. And I think just like her timing with her shot blocking needs to improve as well. Like she just doesn't really make a huge impact as a, you know, stocks player or specifically a blocks player for for someone of her size. And again, she's 6'10". She should be blocking a lot more shots and just challenging with verticality. And, you know, the strength is definitely um, a big part of that. But, you know, she's probably a, I mean, I I don't want to kind of put a ceiling on her because she is 6'10 and and 23 years old, but I kind of see her profiling as a very high-end third big, maybe a low-end starting big, but one that, you know, if she can improve her three-point volume, I think she probably just has to improve like her shot selection too like she she basically never passes the ball like every time she touches it she's just That's gonna true, shoot yeah. it um so that i think uh helps in her not turning it over but she uh you know is not really making that one extra pass and, and can be a little bit of a, a vacuum at times in terms of you know just kind of putting it up every time she gets it but uh i, I have her 14 so i'm a couple spots lower than you but she's in the same tier as as angsler and egbo and ari mcdonald okay. as players that we talked about already Okay, who'd you have at 12? Oh, this is where I had Veronica Burton. So, so, so okay. far in this tier, Angsler, Egbo, Burton, McDonald, Hanju, and then uh, one other player to round it out. So, 
Um, where, where did you have Burton? Are you kind of closer? Are you a little lower? I was a little lower in her. I had her at 16 um, alongside several other guards. So this is what I'm interested to see develop here. But tell us about Veronica Burton. I mean, I guess like for me, it is more about kind of what she needs to become to kind of stay at, at this spot. But, you know, she is 22. Like I said, she's two full years younger than McDonald. One of the younger players that have actually played that, that are on this list. Um, she needs to be a three-point shooter, I think, to be a last two rounds of the playoffs yeah, player. I agree. Her freshman season was her only college season above 35%. Overall for her NCAA career, almost 500 attempts, and she's at 33%. So uh, not great, but Eric, there's a little bit of a silver lining, perhaps. Almost 35% on catch-and-shoot attempts, under 20% on threes off the dribble. So if her either her shot diet changes which it probably should on this team right with a lot more capable players you know offensive hubs than you know what what she has played with in the past or if she can maybe just you know improve on i guess the, the two choices are improve slightly on those off the dribble shots or cut them out of her shot diet uh but you know with you know 34 percent or higher on catch and shoot in three of her four college seasons that's a little bit more encouraging than i think just the raw numbers and i you know, think that she is going to be more of a, you know, secondary tertiary type offensive option. But, you know, she's a player that I don't think she's really a value added passer, Eric, a, a saying that we say very, very frequently. But yeah, that's actually something I said, I remember saying about her pre-draft. Yeah, but I think she's, you know, a, a makes the right pass type of passer can, you know, get the ball to kind of if maybe it just needs to be one more pass away, you know, she, she's not kind of diming people up, but she's also, I guess, kind of, you know, making quote unquote the right play or whatever. You know, I, I, I'm having a hard time articulating exactly. It's still valuable though. It is, you know, she's, she's not a poor passer. I would say she just isn't the highest leverage passer, um, but she is a great hit ahead passer in transition. She can find cutters, you know, she has value in her passing. It's just not, you know, a Sabrina Inescu type, a, a player of that archetype who I think are, are fewer and far between, but between the, the defense and, you know, her, her overall floor game, which I think Dallas, I think really kind of had some nice moments early in the season, I would say was pretty rough for Veronica Burton. It, it did not look particularly good. I, I remember tweeting what felt like two thirds of the way through the season that I, I don't think I had seen her score a point uh, just in like the games I just happened to catch. But by the time the playoffs came around, it felt like she was a very, very valuable part of their rotation. And as uh, one of the younger players in this list here, I, you know, you can kind of only see it getting better. But with that being said, it is worth noting, pick and roll, including passes, she was in the 16th percentile. So um, in terms of things that point guards do well, definitely some room to improve. The first thing I think about when I think about Veronica Burton's strength is her defense. I think she is going to be a an elite point of attack defender in the WNBA. Um, but the rest of it, I'm still not sold. I, I think she could sold. be like a two position defender too. Like if you told me that she ends okay. up being a good, like lock and trail defender guarding alley quickly types, like I could definitely see that. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's very, you know, positional versatility. We love that on this podcast, but that alone isn't enough to stick in the league. You know, I, I think you need at least one of the game management skill and or scoring prowess to come around. And at this point, I think she's much more capable you know, making plays for others and for herself. I think she's got good burst, but I don't think she's a very good finisher yet. And that jump shot, like I, you say she's been relatively good on catch and shoot for a while now, and I agree. But as you like to say, not a very easy looking ball she shoots. Kind of worries me that she's pretty much only going to be a stationary jump shooter throughout her career or not a versatile jump shooter. Like maybe maybe if, if defenders go under the screen, she can eventually make them pay. But um, I, I don't know if she's ever going to be like, the third or better offensive player in any particular lineup out there. That's um, a good point. Think, and that is tough when you're a point guard. I think she's more, I think she's closer to the game manager archetype than the scoring point guard archetype. And that's not a knock because I would rather take, I'd rather have her over, let's say Nia Clowden, who is closer to the scoring point guard archetype at this point in their respective careers, of course. But I think it kind of speaks, but that kind of comes from the weaknesses in her, like in her mechanics. Like I said, not a very good-looking three-point shot. Like, it, it goes in good enough, but not really seeing how versatile it, it, it's, it's going to be. Um, very I mean, slow, I, I, very labored, very yeah, wrist-intensive. It, it's not an easy ball at all. 
pretty mechanical looking and again it goes in but is that going to translate to you know jump shots off the dribble three-point shots off the dribble in particular um and again also can she get to the rim and finish because she's got i think she's got that burst but can she finish through contact you know not sold on it yet so who is the uh the highest ranking player that we haven't talked about yet because i'm okay so i have 14 i have egg boy at 13 um i actually had destiny henderson at 14 whoa okay um yeah, maybe a little high, but this is, like I said, I have a lot of guards down here in this area. Um, I think a lot of people were taking victory laps early in the season on her, and I do agree that she was taken a little too late, which was 20th overall. She does seem to have kind of like a home run hitter type of game where her ceiling is higher than some of these other guards, but her floor is also lower as a point guard. I'm not sure if I see Destiny Henderson as a shooting guard in this league. I think she's more of a one. Definitely got that playmaking ability for others, but she's also got that, you know, kind of carefree style with the basketball where she's going to make some turnovers we're just kind of scratching your head out there um once again i think her three-point shot is very underrated i think it was underrated in college i think it's been underrated so far in the wnba maybe it's because of you know her penchant for making big plays off the bounce or on defense but i think she's a very solid spot up three-point shooter and here's what ultimately separated her from someone like dana evans she's not going to get hunted on defense as much I don't think she's going to be like an elite defender like Burton or McDonald, but I think she's going to be good enough where teams aren't going out of their way to attack her in the pick and roll over and over and over again. You know, like she's, her size is like average for a point guard, but it's not going to be a detriment. Again, I just think her ceiling is higher. And for the purpose of this exercise, like next year, I'd probably take Dana Evans over Destiny Henderson. But if we're talking three, four years, I think Henderson's offensive ceiling is higher. So I'm going to take her. I agree with some of what you said and, and disagree with uh, some of what you said as well. I okay. I don't really see her as a creator for others. I see her more in kind of what I was describing as the Ari McDonald type. Like, you know, a we we talked a lot about her uh, whenever we did a draft show or, or whatever. Maybe it was uh, the the fever outlook before the season started. But you know, her her really great spot up numbers they basically translated as as we figured they would. Uh, 63% effective field goal percentage on no dribble jump shots. And that is, I think, like, I have her lower, I have her 21, and I have her in a group of players where I'm kind of asking what their WNBA skill is. But we know what Destiny Henderson's WNBA skill is. Just said it, yeah. She she can shoot the heck out of the ball. But I do think, I don't know, like you, if she's going to be a a one-position defender or a two-position defender or maybe a zero-position defender. Uh, you know, she she competes all right uh, defensively, but if you're not sold, I, I don't think you, you can be blamed too much. But I, I just don't really think she has that off-the-dribble chops, really. And again, this was her rookie season, so her being in the 21st percentile scoring as a pick-and-roll ball handler, I don't think people should necessarily be surprised or, or too alarmed, but that's kind of 0.6 points per possession. Like, that's kind of the the type of pick and roll ball handler scorer I, I see her as, cause I don't really think that that's necessarily her, her strength. I don't think she has great finishing inside. Obviously her size is a little bit of a limiting factor. I don't think she has a, a ton of shake with her dribble. You know, she's not going to kind of cross you over and kind of uh, put you on your butt. Like Erica Wheeler has uh, a couple notable times. It's very much a downhill type of move. It is. It, it's a attacking closeouts type attack game, dribble game for her. And I think that's it's a little tougher to be a primary playmaker when that's kind of your, your offensive profile. So I think, you know, she definitely has a role, I think, in the WNBA as, as a player who can play next to a more creation-centric wing. But if, you know, there's not a lot of those, and if you... If so not Kelsey Mitchell. <laughs> if, well, yeah, not not Kelsey Mitchell necessarily. So if your team is kind of more reliant on your point guard to create, like I, I don't think Henderson is that player necessarily, and I don't think she's okay. going to be a great fit next to other point guards either unless that point guard can be a multi-position defender. You know, I'm actually less worried about her scoring improving than I am her decision-making because I think that was her one biggest weakness in college, and if she's going to be... A point guard, you know, like like I said, she's got the pension for the big play, but she's also got the pension for the frustrating turnover. Like she had a, in terms of rate, like 25.9% assist rate, 23.9% turnover rate. So it's like, like I said, home run hitter, you know, I, and that's something that I think when we get in this range, I kind of value more than the, than the steady hand. But I, I, I hear you. I hear your concerns. What number was 
Henderson for you? I had Henderson at 14. Okay. Um, who'd you have at 14? Uh, 14, I had Hanzu. So I'll go on to 15. Uh, okay. 15, I had Ileana Rupert, who is you know basically tied for the youngest player on this list. She's a month older than Awak, turned 21 during the uh, the later part of the season last year. And kind of the inverse of a walk in terms of what she has shown in her so far limited WNBA career, right? A walk has flashed some really interesting defensive playmaking and, and largely been a disaster offensively. And Rupert has basically shown her ability to knock down shots and haven't really seen too much from her defensively in the WNBA, at least. So when we talk about kind of bigs that play on the perimeter, you know, you kind of just categorize them maybe sometimes in your head as all one group. But, you know, she's a big that can play on their perimeter offensively. You know, she is not mm-hmm. a defensively can hang on the perimeter with her defensive mobility, I don't think. At least not yet. Maybe as we see more from her and, and she uh, evolves in her game, you know, we'll see that a little bit more. But, you know, I think we are trying to kind of evaluate these players in a vacuum. But if she can develop into more of a defender, you know, a solid defensive five. She's a pretty nice fit with this Aces core and with Asia Wilson specifically, a center who can just space the floor and, and hit threes and let Asia essentially kind of be the five offensively and, and do the things that Asia does well without a, a packed paint. But, you know, we'll, we'll see, basically. I, I don't really know if she's... They obviously did not play her a ton in the playoffs. It, when they did play her, they kind of took her out as soon as they could you know it she's a very young player and it wouldn't be fair to expect her to kind of produce in the last two rounds of the playoffs but you know she she wasn't really doing that it, again all all we really saw from her was very good shooting um but that's enough i think for a player of her age and her size and what she's been at times overseas you mentioned off air that she blocked exactly zero shots this past WNBA season so that's not I thought that was I thought that was maybe maybe it was a little anomalous. So I looked at her uh, Euroleague stats over the years. Um, this is this is kind of nice because not every player you know Euroleague is thought of as the top international competition. She's played in Euroleague every year going back to the 2019-2020 season. Wait, wasn't so she in basket last year? She might have been, but that was that was for France specifically. So oh, I'm okay, talking okay, sorry. international competition. So um, three blocks. In nineteen in twenty nineteen twenty twenty. Sorry, I meant Euro Cup because she she won oh. Euro Cup last year. Oh, then I am uh, then I messed up somewhere along the line. I don't know where I got these numbers at, but long story short, she has not been a good shot blocker in in, in Euro basketball either. Um, so I kind of wonder, like, is this just what her role is going to be in the WNBA? Just a player who takes twice as many threes as she does twos. Now, granted, in Euro League this season. When she's playing uh, for Bologna uh, with uh, Cheyenne Parker, actually, she's playing about 30 minutes a game for them, and she's still only 21 years old. So this could be that point in her career where she really takes off, you know. So I, she's like you said, she's far from a finished product. She's still very, very young, and she's not really playing against scrubs either, like Fenerbahce, Polkovici, teams like that. So I'm still optimistic about her, you know. I think that the block, the shot blocking is concerning, but it's far from everything. I can see her being just a reliable low usage cog in a good starting lineup like you alluded to so i had i had repair at 17 but yeah at this point we're kind of getting into splitting hair territory so yeah so she was actually the last player so you know that that was my tier four 10 through 15 you know i had uh angsler and i had the two fever players angsler and Egbo, and then i had the two point guards that i kind of paired together in mcdonald and burton and then han and repair I, I thought those were kind of all within the same caliber of players and now 16 on you know this is kind of like fringes of the league but room to solidify themselves for sure but if they're out of the league in three seasons like i'm not going to be that surprised and we already talked about one of those players for me at number 21 i had destiny henderson but i guess oh no you should talk about your number 15 player before i go yeah 16 yeah let me talk about 15 uh that's dana evans for me it's a coin flip between evans and henderson i think Again, like I don't know if Evans will ever be like a starting caliber point guard, but I think she's got the skill set to be a solid off the bench scorer, and that's for one reason in particular, and that's that she's adept at shooting pull up threes off the dribble. How many other WNBA point guards are legitimately good at that? She's a bomber for sure. She's she's a bomber, yeah. And like these are long range threes; these are not just like right at the line three pointers. I actually like her jump shot versatility in general. You know, she might get herself in trouble taking shots against bigger defenders, which are just not 
good decisions, but you know, I mean, she's got that mentality where she could be like a microwave type of scorer off the bench. And that's something that I think every team really needs. The worries are obviously her size. She can get to the rim, but she can't really finish well at the rim consistently. Like, you know, this drives me nuts. She takes a ton of runners. Over 20% of all of her shots last season were runners. That's a lot of runners. And, you know, it's a pretty looking shot when it goes in, but you would, of course, prefer she get kind of a low percentage all the way shot to the rim. for basically anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Even I think who was like the most efficient runner shooter? I think it was like Skylar Diggins Smith. And that was like 40% or something like that. So it's a low efficiency shot, right? I mean, she can get the defense in rotation by turning the corner. Like she's got that burst. But can she finish plays consistently, either with an efficient shot at the rim or making a play for others? Like, I don't think she's an outstanding playmaker for others either. If I'm comparing her to Henderson, I think she's got a higher floor and a lower ceiling. But like I said, I think those two are pretty much interchangeable, at least on my list. Um, as a Sky fan, you know, I'm hoping she gets some more burn next year so we can, we can really see. Because the, the, the major talking point this past season was she got off to a hot start in the starting lineup when she was basically forced to. But then she kind of fell out of favor when Julie Alamon came over and some people were, were mad online about that. So Wait, were people mad that Tate Evans wasn't playing? People were very, yeah, yeah. You'll never believe it, but uh, yes. That was a, How does her that size a, compare to Destiny Henderson? I think she's two inches shorter. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, Henderson feels like a player that has uh, good wingspan for a player of her size. And, Dan and that was, again, necessarily. that was... The, that was the point for me between the two of them is that Evans is going to get hunted on defense. I think she's got like, she's got the mentality and you know, like the effort giving on defense. Like she can be a pesky defender, but teams are still going to go at her a lot. Um, so again, I think it, for her, it's about the range off the, uh, off the dribble. Um, it's about maybe taking that next step as a playmaker for others. And I think she can stick around in the league, but there are a couple things that, you know, physically are going to be a perpetual concern. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing, you know, what what her role, I mean, we saw it, what her role would be on a, a very, very good team, a team with like championship aspirations. And it's just not playing, you know, a situational player, a player who when you just kind of need a, a different type of backup point guard will maybe come in and, you know, shoot the ball a lot. Not to say that she has like a selfish game or anything, but she's she's more of a score first point guard than a distributing point guard. And yeah. she's definitely a point guard because she's she's not guarding twos uh, with her size, I don't think. So, you know, I I was a little bit lower than you. I had her at 18, and I think you had her at, what, 15? So, um, But I did have her in kind of my last tier of, of players. I, I think I'm not as high on Dana Evans as the people that are the most high on, on Dana Evans, but she's a good player, and I think she'll she'll probably hang around the league for a while. If, okay. you know, some, some years maybe she plays a lot and some years she plays less. That's that's just going to be the nature of it. Um, okay, so I had, I had Evans at 15, I had Burt at 16, I had Repair at 17. Okay, well, I have to go through my number 16 player, which okay. here's a player who we didn't see much of last year, but I leaned on some draft priors for. Uh, I had Kirsten Bell at number 16. and Oh, wow, okay. Um, Bell, I fear, over the course of her WNBA career, gets caught up in the Lexi Brown trap, which is a player who can clearly help a team and be productive in one specific role, and coaches and teams just try to play them in a completely different role. For Lexi Brown, that was, for years, playing a point guard, uh, playing at point guard when she's clearly a two, an off-ball player, a great shooter, and not a great ball handler and, and distributor. And for Bell, I think her path to WNBA success is as a small ball four, as a, a roller, you know, and I think her her best offensive skill in college was as a roller, as a play finisher. Feels like a lot of people on draft Twitter and, and maybe even the aces based on kind of what position she plays, see her more as like a big guard. And I just, I don't think she's that level of, uh, you know, that type of skill. I shouldn't say that level of skill. I agree. That, that type of like ball skill, dribble skill, shooting skills. I don't think she'll be able to hang defensively on the perimeter. So, you know, I myself see a way for Kirsten Bell to be a pretty successful offensive player, but I don't know if she's actually ever going to be put in the specific role that I could see her being a successful offensive player. And maybe she'll just be put in, again, what I would consider, I am stupid, I, I know nothing, but I would consider the wrong role, which is, you know, playing as like a three or, or a big two or something and just kind of being out of place. You know what role she played in college at, at Florida Gulf Coast? Uh, most of them. Literally exactly what you were describing. 
<laughs> more of a roller, more of a play finisher. But then again, that she was the tallest person in that lineup at like five foot eleven, so that doesn't really say much. But yeah, Kirsten Bell, I actually did not have her on my list at all because there is. I, I think that's little, fair, honestly. I think it's fair. I mean, there's just no evidence that she's going to be a good WNBA player, and so far. I was extremely high on her uh, as a WMA draft prospect, and so far I am looking not so good. There are some people with me, but none of us are looking very good at, at the moment. It's like, what is your path to consistent minutes and consistent production? Um, I don't think it's like her her ball skills aren't good enough for her to be a guard, but her size isn't. You know, she's not big enough to be a roller. Or, or front court player. And there's not really a lot of defensive playmaking there either. No, no, there's not. Um, I think the, how do I put this? She's another player who I'd, I'd call a home run hitter. Like she's got that big play potential, but I'm not sure at all how that's going to materialize in a consistent WNBA role. Yeah, this is kind of like the last real upside pick for me. Yeah, honestly, I have absolutely no clue what to think of Kirsten Bell at this point. Loved uh, her in college, loved her game. No clue how it's going to translate. Okay, should I go to 17? It sounds like you've already gotten that far, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I had repair at 17. Who did you have? I had uh, Michaela Onyenwede, um, okay. who, uh, Eric, one rookie of the year, just two short seasons yeah, ago. We talk about this so often. Uh, I know, sorry. Uh, but, you know, her minutes were cut in half, basically, from last season, from 22 to 13 minutes a game. And as I'm kind of evaluating these players going up and down and, you know, trying to order them as basically what I would consider, you know, fringe of the league players asking like, what is their WNBA skill? I think there were a lot of times where Michaela Onyenwede was like the one player for the Liberty that played with energy and got out in transition last year. And, you know, transition is not always the most reliable WNBA skill because you need to get stops in order to get out in transition and, you know, often <laughs> force turnovers and stuff like that. But, um, you know, 16% of her possessions in transition, I think that's probably her most valuable skill at this point. She's a, a pretty good athlete. She runs the floor hard. She, you know, I don't want to say she's a, a good finisher, but she has moments of being a good finisher. She's definitely improved as a finisher from her, the early part of her rookie season, even if the numbers aren't quite, you know, what they were towards like the back half of her rookie season when she really made some some strides it's just does she have a position and, and is she going to make her three-point shots because uh, you know she she's not a good defender but i think she can have moments of decent defense especially playing i was going to say playing to her strength but like playing with strength playing as a post-up defensive player you know against maybe not the most elite back to the basket players, but that next tier down of players that still get post-ups, uh, you know, I think Onyenwede can can play pretty well there. It's just, you know, she doesn't really have the lateral quickness. And again, she's not hitting threes. And as a, a player who is going to be a play finisher, like her role is going to be hit threes, attack closeouts, get out in transition. You, you kind of have to check all those boxes, I think, when she's not giving you anything as a passer. Which is kind of why I think her minutes were up and down, mostly down with the Liberty last season because they just had so many other players out there. I mean, let's call it like it is. The main reason she won Rookie of the Year and taking away nothing from her, the main reason she won, she won Rookie of the Year in 2021 was because so many other people were hurt. I, I will say, though, Eric, you know, her, her minutes per game basically caught in half, like I said, from 22 to 13, but she still played in basically every game. It wasn't really a situation oh, yeah. where she was, you know, excised from the rotation and then they needed something, so they brought her back. You know, she no, no, was no, 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 no. just... They're basically their tenth, ninth or tenth player. But it's like when we're talking about this exercise, wh why is that? And what is her role on a good team? And you mentioned it. You, you put that very well. But it's like, man, I, I think the problem is, I think both my concerns and reasons for optimism for Onionware are about the same as they were we did this last time, which is probably not great because, I mean, obviously she's an elite athlete. But again, she kind of lost her, her role. I, I, no, I shouldn't say it lost her role. We'll just say her role diminished, because it did. And you mentioned what is her position? I don't know. You know, she's a tweener, but probably not in the good way. I, I, I had her where I did. I had her at twenty. But it was most just because of the athletic ceiling. You know, I, I, I got to see some progress either on you know the defensive playmaking or the offensive versatility. Because other than that, it's like what is her go-to WNBA skill? You said get out in transition. I mean, fine, but. You know, running the floor hard isn't going to keep you in the league, though. That's not that's not something that's going to make a team that's going to keep you on a team and keep give you twenty five minutes a game. You know, 
um, at least not at five foot eleven. So, yeah, you know, I, I like Onionware, but um, it's it's very interesting because it's like on, on one hand you say like, oh, her her ceiling is so high, but that's that's as an athlete. You know, obviously she's 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 tremendously athletic, but what is her ceiling as a basketball player? I still don't know. Yeah, I think it's what she was her rookie season, but on a good team and as a good player. You know, the fifth yeah. best player on in your starting lineup, a player that can stand in the corner, hit threes, attack closeouts, and hopefully somewhere down the line has a position defensively. Um, but there's still room to for her to have to kind of get there, I think. Um, yeah. so, so that was number 17 for me, 18. I had Evans, uh, who's your highest left, left player, player remaining 18. I had Ty Harris. Oh, 18. Um, I had Ty Harris. Here we go. Oh, oh excellent. Back. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Um, again, I think this is a player who she kind of is what she is at this point, And that is a dependable backup point guard who can be trusted to run the team and just not mess up. Right. Um, high floor, low ceiling. We've talked about her a lot before, honestly. Uh, I don't think her game has many weaknesses, I don't think her strengths are so mind blowing. Scoring efficiently because she can't do well, it. Bottom third yeah, in the but I mean, in true shooting percentage. Okay, there are a lot of guards in the league like that, though. I'm, I'm saying like as a as a point guard. You're not saying like yeah, this is a player who's a future of the position, but she's also going to be a player who's going to hang around for a while. I think just based on how steady of a player she is. Not going to wow anybody, I don't think. But you know, I mean, like I said, she is what she is. I think she. I'd, I'd still take her because I know what I'm getting over some of these players. Who's like. Well, I don't know what position they are. You know, I don't know if they've got a WMA skill or not. I don't know what they're going to look like in five years or whatever. Like, in some cases, you need the steady hand. And that's where I think Ty Harris comes in on this list. Yeah, I have her 19 as well. Uh, worth. Oh, no, I had her 18. Sorry. 18. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had, uh, yeah, no, we're not the same. No. Yeah, okay. So I had, I had her 19. Two spots ahead of Destiny Henderson because, you know, Henderson, I think, is gives you a little bit more scoring, is obviously a much better shooter, is not going to give you the 99 to 39 assist-to-turnover ratio that Ty Harris gave you. That's which, stellar. I mean, that's Ty Harris, right? She's she's not going to turn it over. Uh, she's not going to make mistakes. Worth noting, though, her minutes per game have decreased every season of her career so far. So, obviously, there's going to— She's gonna, playing in Dallas. What'd you say? She's playing in Dallas. Yeah, I— <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, tough to get consistent minutes there. But yeah, I mean, what can you really say about Ty Harris? Like she's very much kind of steadying the ship type backup point guard, you know, is, is not really going to wow you in, in any area, but she's fine. I think she'll she'll play in the league for a lot longer as a backup point guard, probably. Who did you have? Oh, you had her at 19, right? That's right. Okay. I had Dejanay Carrington at 19, a player who I'm higher on at this uh, now than I was at this point last season. Again, we talked about, I, think, I feel like we talked about her specifically recently but i don't remember what it was anyway um well, it was in our uh, wrong about episode oh yes our wrong about yes that's right that's right that's right um well i was wrong about her because you know i thought she was gonna have trouble staying in the league <laughs> um and i think she she can stay in the league now she's got a specific role as the sun's primary bench wing and she increased both her production and her efficiency you know i think overall it was a pretty good sophomore season for her the weaknesses you know they're still there she's a poor decision maker doesn't really have an in-between game, three-point shot, not that great, but she did carve out some uh, a niche where she could emphasize her strengths, which are creating transition possessions, um, getting to the free-throw line, and on-ball defense. Um, also, I thought something that was pretty cool, she played in all 36 games, which for a player of her injury history, is that's that's nice. I like that. I just wanted to point that out. Um, moving forward, like I'm not sure how much better she's going to get, and, you know, the shot could deal more. The shot could improve more, yeah, but it could, it could also regress more. You know, one thing we did point out that I don't have in my notes here, but I remember now from our wrong about, is that her overall shot diet for a player of her role is pretty good. It's pretty much all either rim attempts or three point. Yeah, attempts. Yeah, you, you mentioned that she doesn't really have an in between game, but she, to yeah, I guess uh, you don't really need that to say that in a positive way is she's a very kind of uh, play finisher type game where it's it's at the rim or it's behind the arc. So. Sure, sure. So it's it's within the context of, of her role. That's that's a good thing. Again, like I, I'm not sure how much better she's gonna get, but the ideal scenarios for other players on this list, I'm saying like starting lead guard, playmaking big, etc., are to me more valuable than what Carrington brings. Hence her spot on this list. But if I'm looking back on it and saying like, has Carrington gotten better? Has she has she exceeded my expectations? I'll say yeah. You know, I don't think the ceiling is very high, but you know. She could be a valuable player on a on a good team, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I had her a little lower. I had her outside of the the twenty five. You know, she was my number twenty eight player or something like that. I think it's 
you know, without the shooting, it's a little tough to be that type of player, but you know, she's good. I, I think that the shooting might kind of uh, dictate like how much she can say on the floor in, in really high leverage minutes, but she's definitely a player that can give you a lot of regular season minutes and we're, we're talking about. Uh, okay. I like that terminology, regular season minutes versus, yeah. Yeah, she is. You know, she's she's a player that's not going to kill you in the regular season. She's going to play with a lot of energy. Uh, you know, she is. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think of her as a good defensive playmaker, at least. Uh, yeah, know, I agree. Kind of turning agree. defense into offense and, and getting out in the open court and stuff like that. So um, a little lower, but, you know, these are all players within the same tier. Like there's not really a mm-hmm. huge difference between 20 and 28 for me. Uh, so what what number was that for you? That was 19. Okay, so I will go with number 20. Maybe a, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I feel like this is low for her draft pedigree, but high for her uh, public approval rating. I had Lexi Hull <laughs> at number 20. Um, okay. You know, a, a player that was very, very bad to start the season came around a little bit over the course of... I mean, she had a nice last four games. You know, she had a good August, for whatever that's worth. Uh, 12 points a game on 55% true shooting. May through July... She had three made threes and made five in August. So maybe I'm, you know, overvaluing a strong last month when, you know, who... Garbage time. Who's really kind of uh, bringing it every night against the fever. Probably not too many teams, but, you know, she... Uh, I, I thought she showed some stuff in terms of, you know, she has pretty decent positional size. I, honestly, she's she's bigger than I thought she was. She's basically the same size as Ryan Howard, which I... Oh, yeah, no, she's, she's tall. She's yeah, tall. I, w- I was not really uh, aware of coming into the year. And, you know... If just all these players kind of around this area are are equal, you know, Destiny Henderson probably showed more, you know, maybe Nia Cloudin showed more in terms of just individual game. But her player archetype, Hall's player archetype is just a player who can, you know, maybe not kill you defensively and hit some threes. Like that's probably just going to be more valuable at the two than it is at the one where there's not a lot of lead initiators who are wing sized. So as a, you know, kind of a, a tiebreaker, if you're a two or a three, you know, that's probably better than if you're a one. And, you know, the other thing uh, she had, uh, uh, I mentioned those, that strong August that she had, she had 23 free throw attempts the first three months of the season and then 17 in August. She really kind of, uh, um, Dewana Bonnard her way to the line quite a bit in August. It wasn't necessarily uh, playing through contact, but you know, it, it was a little bit, I shouldn't really dismiss it that much, but you know, it was, it was a pretty good month all around and, and hopefully she can build off it a little bit. I'll be completely honest. I did not even think of Lexi Hall for this list. Uh, you make a compelling argument, but I worry about that coming from like a four game sample size. But you know that, that it, it could just be a case of her of her rookie rookie improving. So I'm not going to totally discount it. Yeah, for sure. It was um, up until that the the bad numbers were also driven by like a terrible May, and then she was just kind of like regular bad in June and July. You know, twenty it's like when you have twenty six percent like true that. shooting in May. So yeah, that's not good. It's hard to say. Um, okay, you had that. That was number twenty, correct? That was twenty, and then I also uh, have already talked about twenty one with Henderson. Okay, so I had Onion Warrior at 20. I had Nia Cloudin at 21. I really want to like her game, Steven. I really want to like it. Let me put it this way. I like her game. I'm still not sure how it's going to translate to meaningful WNBA minutes. Her rookie sample size was pretty small. You know, if, if it feels like she never played, it was 250 minutes total. But I did see a lot of things that did concern me about her pre-draft. You know, poor two-point scoring, not particularly great. Do you have those numbers? Because I do. What are they? Uh, she was 6 for 24 from 2, 0 for 8 on non-paint 2s. Wow, she did not hit a single long 2. That's concerning. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, okay, so poor. Yeah, that's that's poor. Um, not a great playmaker for others either, so if she's not scoring, she's not really setting people up either. Strengths as well. You know, she took over half of her shots from 3. She made 12 of 29 of them, so that's a pretty good percentage. But again, it's like the sample is so small, Steven. Like, moving forward, I still think her primary role is that of a scoring point guard more than a distributing one? I mean, she has I'm the same, not necessarily the same game, but the same role on a WNBA team as like a Dana Evans type. You know, she's going to yeah. be your scoring backup point guard. For some reason, I'm just more confident that Evans is going to keep that going than, than Cloudon. Oh, me too. Cloudon has range, but it's not like, it's not the same. It's, it's not the same. I'm just wondering if she's ever going to get that consistent minutes. Obviously, Maybe not under Kurt Miller, but we don't have to worry about that now if you're the son. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't have a solid read on her uh, after her rookie season. 
not much has changed my my pre-draft opinion. I think she was maybe overdrafted a little bit. But yeah, like I said, once we get maybe, in this range, but, it's like... But not by eh. much, probably. Not by much, nah. Nah, nah, nah. Where'd you have her? I had her 25. So she okay. she uh, made the cut. You know, not amazing shooters, uh, shooting priors from college, I should say. Uh, 34% on 425 attempts from college. You know, she, she's just not the shooter that Dana Evans is. Like, Dana Evans is a legitimate three-point, uh, you know, can hit it from anywhere, can hit a, a multitude of, of types of shots from three. I don't think Cloudin is the type of off-the-dribble three-point shooter that Evans is, more of a kind of catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Fairly quick release and, and stuff like that. I mean, she she showed some off the dribble, uh, but kind of inconsistent mechanics, I would say. You know, not the uh, most uh, repeatable, repeated kind of um, release in her threes, but I thought she did show some good bursts in her ability to get to the rim, but obviously she doesn't have, like, elite size, so we'll see, you know, how she can develop as a finisher and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I like you, didn't really know kind of what to make of Cloudin, but, you know, looking at the rest of the players on this list, would bet on her upside over... Asia Shepard, who probably has a more reliable WNBA skill as a shooter, sure. I would say. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So number Where 22, I had Olivia nelson Adota, who we uh, just talked about we last talked time about we recorded, we so we can yeah. uh, kind of skip over that. Um, did you, do you, have you done 22 yet? I have Bella Allery. Oh, okay. 22. Bella Allery was like and, um, uh, 26 for me, my last player, or my first and this player. this is, I, I could be lazy and just say listen to last year's because I'm, Literally just copying and pasting my notes. Um, the metrics love her defense, but she just didn't stay on the floor very long. Because she didn't play last year. Um, she just didn't stay on the floor very long. Uh, we already talked about how she went from like a toolsy scoring forward to a supposed defensive specialist. Um, I, I just wish like, we at least saw some of that like offensive hub, some of that offensive scoring in EuroLeague. Like, it seems like she's the exact same player in EuroLeague as she is in the WNBA, which is to say not an effective offensive player. Nah, man. I mean, she ranked in the top 10 in both offensive rebounding rate and block percentage. So there are some promising things there, but she just like never shot the basketball. Like her usage rate was below 10. It's like, why? Why is that? She's a prolific scorer in college. And I know that's not everything. But just, just for some context, there are basically like no starting players that are below 10% usage. What, what was Brianna Turner? Uh, she was probably below 10%, but... Yeah, that was the only one. That was yeah. the only one, yeah. So She had yeah. like historically... Bri Turner had historically low usage for the number of minutes she played. That was wild. That was wild. Uh, but yeah, like I said, that was basically a copy and paste from last season, or from last time we did this because she didn't play last season. I think like there's, at this point in the list, there's no reason to not at least mention her. And we kind of know what she can do already, so I just kind of threw her in at the end there. Who'd you have at 22? Uh, 22, I had Olivia nelson Adota. 23, I had Maya Caldwell. Did she make your list at all? She did at number 24. Okay. I mean, her game looks really smooth. Only 214 minutes. Kind of wild it was so low. It seems like, you know, she she was 12th on the dream in minutes, but it seems like she was always kind of around. Her 65% true shooting is obviously not sustainable. You know, she she got her money's worth for those 214 minutes because she put on a lot of tape, uh, more so than some of these other low-minute players. You know, she she got her shots up when she was in there. Um, listen, listen, she shot 18 for 32 on threes. She was straight flames. Yeah, probably not going to shoot 56% three, on threes. No, especially because she was 30% in college over four seasons. Yeah, so, um, but it looks great, honestly. It really does. Uh, oh, but it does, it does. Was effective as a two-point scorer last season, but, like, her two-point scoring was extremely reliant on two-point jump shooting, which, you know... She, she never got to the rim. She never got to the rim. She never got to the free-throw line. She never got to the line in college. Like, she was pretty much the same player that she was in college, except for she hit all of her shots uh, for the dreams. So... You know, normalize her three-point shooting to 35%, and, you know, her true shooting is 50%. Five free throw attempts this year compared to 42 two-point attempts, so that's that's not great. But, hey, it, it looks really good, and honestly, you know, there's obviously something there if she shot it that well. I think, you know, as a player who um, creates for herself a little bit less and maybe just can, I don't know, shoot threes and, and attack the closeout even if it's just to the mid-range you know there might be something there we're, we're at 23 here these are like you know who players. she reminds me of a little bit is uh shitori walker kimbrough okay you know they're, they're they're both they're both you know two threes you know uh, swing women uh, swing swing women uh shooting guards slash small forwards kind of slight build usage where their jump shot percentages are going to 
be very subject to variance. Like, I, it was fun watching Maya Caldwell just hit everything she threw up there last season. I don't think she's going to do that again. But uh, yeah, yeah if she know. if she know. shot thirty two percent from three this year, like it wouldn't be that surprising. Yo, it's weird because her sample size, like we thought, like okay, Nia Cloudin never played two hundred fifty minutes total. She played even less than Cloudin did. That's two hundred fourteen. But it seems like Maya Caldwell was like a, a fixture of that dream team. Really interesting uh, perspective there. But um, I'm just curious, like, is she going to continue to be a three point specialist even when those numbers inev- inevitably regress? You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't have a great handle on what she is. I mean, she did have a positive assist turnover ratio. Like, I think her playmaking chops were a little better than I expected. I didn't have much of a read on her entering the the W, but I mean, I think she's deserved another shot, right? She's earned another shot. Yeah, I think so. I, if I was the dream, I would be very interested in bringing her back. Um, okay, me too. Me too. Let's uh, let's just kind of move on here. Uh, twenty three, you had Maya Caldwell. I had Ruthie Hebert at twenty three. Again, a lot of this is from last season because or last, last year, last time we did this exercise, because Ruthie did not play much last season. Again, what you see is what you get. Uh, a really good pick-and-roll finisher who's got the size of a four without, like, the skills that you're looking for from that position. Um, she's another big who's, you know, really good at just finding open spots on the floor. Hey, and that's remember not just when I said roll. that I wish Bella Allery would do stuff on offense in EuroLeague? Yeah. Ruthie Heber does stuff on offense in EuroLeague. Ruthie Heber does do stuff. There was one play last week where... I have no clue why Cheyenne Parker was closing out on Ruthie Hebert like this, but she hit Cheyenne Parker with a shot fake. She went to the rim. She hit this nice, like, running floater. I'm like, yes, Ruthie, like, please do that infinitely more often with this guy. But anyway, yeah, she uh, she will get her offense. Um, she's malleable offensively in as far as bigs are concerned because she can run a pick and roll with, like, literally anybody, but she's not going to contribute much defensively. Um, She's not like a total sieve. She's just not very big. I think she's another high floor, low ceiling type of player. And nothing from last season changed my mind at all. In fact, I think, if anything, it kind of solidified this position because Sky Coaches just had her on a very short leash. I don't know why, but she did take kind of a hit in her statistics. I honestly think as a as a subjective analysis, I think she just took hit in confidence because she wasn't getting those minutes over Lee Yaru, who is not a WNBA caliber player. So... Maybe small sample size, you can attribute that to as well. But yeah, Ruthie Hebert, 23. I Honestly, I can't think of any player I would say like, yes, she's definitely better than Hebert moving forward. But at the same time, not much new to say about Ruthie Hebert. So Ruthie Hebert uh, was, was lower for me. Uh, she did not make my 25. I had her 29. But I'm surprised that Ruthie was over the player that I had at 24, who was Nas Hillman, a player that we, we talked about a lot, but... You know, Ruthie, I think, does have that one great, really, really great WNBA offensive skill in, obviously, her, her ability to finish out of the pick and roll. And Nas we, is a player we, we talked about a lot just a few weeks ago. So I guess all I'll really add to the Nas conversation is I think I, I really kind of undersold in that episode how impressive she was in individual defense, just one-on-one defense. Yeah, we were not high on her. We weren't. Um, You know, I still have her 24, but you know, these players are players that I, I think are probably all pretty close to out of the league at, at this point. Um, after I should say like, you know, 24, 25 or so besides Carrington, Carrington will stick around. Um, but you know, Hillman, I don't know, maybe it's just because she like played more than, than Ruthie, but I never really considered having Ruthie above Nas Hillman. Uh, is there any player in your 25 that we haven't talked about? Uh, I mean, I had Nelson, I had Caldwell at 24, Nelson Adota at 25. We talked about Nelson Adota already on our uh, rookie bigs recap. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess, is, uh, you know, the. Is there, uh, are there, are, yeah. As long as we're here, are there any like honorable mentions or players you wanted to put in the top 25, but you couldn't justify it? Well, Bella is a player that, you know, I, I had been pretty high on in the past, but when you are kind of on the fringes of, you know, when your team asks you to not play, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that they was don't tough. Cut you that it's kind of uh, tougher. Asia, Asia Shepherd is a player that I did have higher uh, and eventually moved down to outside of the twenty-five because you know she is a shooter. You know she has a WNBA skill. She's a really really good shooter. Thirty-seven percent in college on huge volume, uh, remarkably consistent too. You know thirty-seven percent or better in four of her five seasons. So it's not like you know it was kind of driven by one forty-five percent season or something like that. Um, but 
you know, what, what else can she do? I, I don't really think anything, <laughs> to be honest, uh, in the WNBA level. I really like Asia Shepard's college game. I think she's a very fundamentally sound shooter. Like, we, we talk about the different categories of shooter. What is that? Stationary shooter, movement shooter. Movement shooter yeah, sure. What's, it, what's, what's it the last one? Uh, off-screen shooter? She's an off-screen shooter. Like, she's got tremendous shooting fundamentals, but I don't think she's she may never get, like, a real WNBA role, so... I think the two most notable names that are not on our list for for different reasons probably were Charlie Collier, uh, the former number one overall pick, Mm -hmm. and Jocelyn Willoughby, who has had a couple tough seasons Mm -hmm. of injury. Um, I was expecting you to to say her name at some point, Eric, to be honest with you, but... um, Uh, I had Willoughby as like a a maybe, like a maybe 25, Mm -hmm. but like the last player, I'll just say the last player on my list was Nelson Adota. To me, Nelson Adota showed me more in her rookie season than Willoughby has at any point in her career because she just hasn't stayed healthy. And, you know, that's not a knock on Willoughby in particular. It's just that there's just no evidence of her being anything other than what I thought she was going to be coming out of college. Yeah, I think you know? that's fair. You know, and when you come to number 25, it's like, well, who am I putting on this list? And then Collier, that's, yeah, that's that's a sad case. But, man, I mean, she, what can we say about her? Maybe we'll be proven wrong. She's playing very well in Israel right now. That's that's what I'll say. And legit, like you, you can look it up. You can look it up. But um, I think this is. I think that's enough for us. We've gone like two hours. So um, comfortably, you want to sign us off here? Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can do so by uh, following, rating, and reviewing on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter until Twitter doesn't exist anymore. At Double Down WNBA. Oh. Uh, you can follow Eric at Nimchak E. Uh, follow myself at Trinkwald. And um, thanks for listening. It was a long one uh, or a long two. We'll see. Thank you again so much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next time.